0: So last week we talked about the fact that the Messiah had come, and the shepherds had, strangely enough, to have a conversation as to whether or not they were gonna go. So they had to bring one another to Christ, which is sometimes what we have to do as a family of faith. We have to bring one another to worship, to come and to participate in bringing praise and glory and honor to the Almighty, which sounds strange, I know, but, but, as weird as it may sound, there's some people that just think that worship isn't a real big priority and it's, it's easily forgotten and, and ch- checked off the list or removed from the list if there's something better to do. And so we have to bring one another from time to time to, to come and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now these guys, they, they ended up going and they ended up realizing that this, this message was true. And so not only did they bring one another, they began to tell one another. it began to bubble up outside of their, their circle and into a spontaneous praise that created wonder in their hearts and in the hearts of everyone that they came in contact with. And so we have this privilege as those who know what's going on to be engaged in wonder, in awe and wonder. And to help others as we tell them about what Christ has done and what the Christmas season means to do the same. Not everybody knows. I mean, you think about that night. You think about that night. There were angels that knew. There were shepherds that knew. And there was a a young family that knew that God had entered the world in a manger. And, And so today there are those who don't know. They, they may know something of the story, but do they really have it in their hearts? And that's what, that's what we have to offer. We have this privileged opportunity to be able to speak of what has happened. Now, we know that, that December is not a biblical time. There's no scripture that tells us to remember Christ. It's a tradition. But what we have is the month of December by tradition to remember the incarnation, to remember that God took on flesh. And on December 25th, we remember that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was born and placed in a manger. And we have this joy which was ours to celebrate and also to share. And sharing that joy is crucial. Sharing that joy gives us this great hope and, and this hope is not something we've come up with. You know, last week we, we looked at biblical history and we looked at some of the prophecies pointing to the coming of Christ. The four that amaze me, the four that make me smile when I think about this are the, are, are, the, are the promises about how Messiah would come into the world. I mean, you think about this. The, the scripture said he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would come out of, out of Egypt, but that he would, but, but he would be raised in Galilee, in Nazareth. Now how do you do that? How do you do that? How, how, miracles, the providence of God. It, what God did in bringing His Son into the world the way He did, miracle after miracle after miracle. And what we are celebrating is the miracle of God. And there is within us a need. Some of you don't know it, but it's there. A need to tell about it because something as powerful as the miracle of God, that miracle is not really complete in terms of its joy in our own hearts until we tell about it. Writing about the Psalms, C.S. Lewis said this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are that the delight is incomplete till it is expressed you may have a heart for god you may delight and adore christ the lord but the reality is that passion that power that comes in worship it's not full until you are actually telling other people about Christ the Lord. There is something that happens in us when that takes place. And so we have this joy, we have this privilege, we have this responsibility. But how do we do it well? That's what our text is going to show us today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And uh Mac- McKenna's going to come and read verses 16 and 18. Let's all stand together. <coughs> 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 Lord's Supper's getting to me. All right, McKenna, are you ready? Oh, I lost my place, hold on, let me find mine. (laughs) Okay, we're in Luke chapter two, verses 16 through 18. All right, McKenna, go for it. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The word of God, thanks be to God, well done McKinnon. If you would go ahead and be seated, everyone be seated. <clears throat> you know, one of the uh, things I love most about uh, Christmas as a kid uh, was not so much the opening of the gifts, but the day or so after when all of my friends, we would all get together and we would share our gifts and, and we would play our gifts. You know, when I think about, I think about my own life, I, I think about kind of the weird miracle, it kind of reminds me of Jesus' birth. You know, because it's weird. Because people ask me, where are you from? And I always say Nashville. But really, I was born in Houston, Texas. I was just there a few months. And then during the key points of my childhood, we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But I say I'm from Nashville because that's, you know, that's where I spent most of my time. That's a miracle of God. The providence of God had me live in all those places. So when I think about my childhood specifically fourth and fifth grade, I think about that time there, and, and I think about Christmas, and one of the things that we love to do is to share our Christmas gifts. And I remember in fourth grade, we had all wanted bikes. And so our parents gave us all bikes, the, the kids in the neighborhood. And for a, for a, fourth, year, a four year, fourth grader male, transportation is freedom, Right? And so we got bikes, and so I can't remember, I can't remember if it was the day of, it was around, it was that week when we were out of school. We got on our bikes, and we took off, and we didn't come back till after dark. And we're thereby grounded from our bikes within a matter of the first week. So the next day we came out, having been grounded from our bikes, one of the guys got a football. And so it was great. We played, this was before millennials, we played tackle football. And so, don't be offended. And so we... The out-of-bounds, though, was the pavement, right? You had to stay on the grass, and someone was slightly tackled onto the pavement. When he got back from the emergency room, we were all grounded from playing tackle football. So Christmas for us was a time of sharing and getting grounded. It was a glorious season of life but we shared it and and that's that's what Christ calls us to do. He doesn't want us to keep a secret. He doesn't want to keep it to ourselves. What really makes the delightful is that we are able to share what it is Christ has done. He's given us a gift. Christ is the greatest gift you will ever get. I mean, you think about the most famous at least in North America, the most famous scripture John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, this ultimate gift, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Then you read verses 17 and 18, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. You think about, not only does our sharing of the truth of Messiah, not only does it fulfill the delight in our own heart, but it provides a desperate need within the heart of every person on this planet. Because we are all born in sin, we are all born condemned. We are all born separated from God. And the only way in which we can find hope and healing is through Jesus Christ. Romans eight says, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The only way that we can be freed from condemnation is through Jesus Christ. And we who believe, we who know this this wonderful truth, we have a responsibility to share it, to go and tell it, to tell one another of what Christ has done. Now, how do we tell it well? Now, that's what our text helps us with today. To go and tell well, three things. We, We must, first of all, have a confirmed faith. A confirmed faith. Look in verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. These guys saw what they'd heard about. What was said was true. What they had been told was real. There was this baby. It was lying. He was lying in a manger. It was just as that that messenger of God had said. And what did they go looking for? Friends, they did not go looking for advice. They did not go looking for some self-help stuff. They went looking for a fact, for a truth, for something supernatural. Friends, that's the difference between Christianity and all the other world religions. All other world religions say, here's advice. Here's advice on how you might get to God, might. Here's advice on how you might live. Here there are four steps to, to having a happy whatever you wanna have a happy of. That's not Christianity. Christianity is a fact. Christianity is not good advice. It's good news. These guys had been told good news. They had been told a fact. They went and they pursued and they found this fact to be true. Their faith was confirmed. And so it is for every every disciple of Jesus, we have a confirmed faith. You say, well, I'm not sure that I'm saved. That's on you, that's on you. You have every reason, if you've repented of your sins and believed in Christ and are pursuing him, you have every reason to have confirmation of your faith. You say, what do I need to be looking for? Ephesians chapter two gives a great checklist, a great checklist, let me share it with you. It's in verses one, four through five and eight through nine. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. You were dead, were dead were being the key word, dead. When you come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, you come alive in a supernatural way that is hard to explain. You come alive to a reality that you've heard of, that you experienced the children that were baptized today on each of their worksheets. They were able to talk about, I knew the information, I knew knew the facts, I knew the studies, but when I believed, my life changed. They went from death to life. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Go on, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. God gives new life to all who believe. And for those who believe, that faith is confirmed. That new birth is not something that you chose, it's something that happened to you. It's just like when a baby is born. How many of you sitting in the room, how many of you chose your birthday? Show of hands, you chose it, the day you would be born. None of us, nor did you choose the day you were born again. That was a work of the Holy Spirit who convicted you, enabled you to believe, and you repented and believed, and you went from death to life, from darkness to light, and that new life has been sought. Not perfect, but you have pursued Christ, and that faith has been confirmed step by step. And what we have to share is a truth, a glorious truth that has changed our lives. The shepherds had a confirmed faith that they could tell about. So do we. They shared a truth, and so must we. Write it down. To go and tell well, we must have a biblical faith. Not just a confirmed faith. I want you to see this. This is very interesting to me. But a a biblical faith. Because what they shared. Oh, my friends, don't miss this. This is powerful. Look in verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They had made known, what was it? The, the, the saying. These guys didn't go make up their, their own news. Good news had already been given to them. They didn't go and give advice to other people about what they should do with their lives. No, no, no. They went and they, they told others what had been told to them that they had confirmed by faith. They didn't make up a myth. They didn't make up a story. You know what they also didn't do? They didn't go and say, well, there was Bubba, and he was holding the baby with his dirty hand. It was co-op. That's not what happened. They went and they said to other people, this is the word from God that has happened, that we confirm and this is what they shared. Friends, God is calling us not to just share stories, not to just share feel, not to just share ideas. He's calling us to tell the truth. And the truth is the word of God. It is good news. And this word we are to share, please understand, this word has power. Power you don't have that I don't have. Power to change a life. Guys, please hear me. Our friends don't need more self-help books. Please don't give them one for Christmas. They need the Bible. They need the inerrant, infallible Word of God because there is a power in it. A power, it can only do what is needed. There is a power. Hebrews 4 talks about this power. For the word of God is living and active. It's living and active. Someone says, wait a minute, you're telling me that this is alive. It sure is, it's dangerous. Why do you think they ban it from schools? Why do you think they're terrified to have it in foreign countries that are, that are Islamic? And they, Why do you think there's so much fear in China about people having access to this book because they know this is dangerous? This danger is live, It's active, and here's why. It's sharper than any uh, any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow. It gets down in you. The Bible has the power to get down into your life and cut you with conviction, and then to care for you with grace, and to bring you into new life. There is a power in this word and discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart, because see what, when you read the Bible, here's what you find out when the Spirit of God is at work. You're not reading the Bible, the Bible's reading you. The Bible's telling you this is God and this is you and this is truth and here's, here's where you stand. There is a power in this word. Psalm, 19, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There is a power in this word, it's illuminating. When the power of the Spirit is alive, Psalm 119, 105, when, when the Spirit of God is working this, there's a life to it and there's a purpose for every single word in the Bible. Every single phrase, every chapter, every verse is there, and it's doing something. Look what it says in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word that be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God has a purpose. And when it is spoken, it will not return void. It is a promise of God. It is the power of God. Friends, what the world needs are people who can confirm the faith and can speak of the biblical faith that is given through Jesus Christ. They don't need advice, they need good news. And what you need to share is not advice. What will fulfill your joy, what will make you full is sharing the good news of God, of what he's done. The shepherds had a word from God that people need. So do we. Last, to go and tell well, We must have a contagious faith. A contagious faith. These guys, when they experienced the confirmation of their faith, when they saw the reality and began to share the biblical truth, they were contaminated with the power of the gospel of God. And then as they shared it, it infected other people. Look at this. Look at what happened in verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They were overwhelmed with wonder. Can you imagine what it was like to go and, and to be told, first of all, freak you out, angels, right? And now we gotta go and we gotta talk each other into it because we're, we're scared and, and then we get it, we see it as confirmed and then when we're there, we start talking to this young couple and they're saying, wait a minute, how did you get here? What do you mean an angel showed up and said you'd have a child? What was the angel's name? That's my angel. You mean, you heard from angels and now, now the baby's here? Now this is going on? This is crazy. And there was wonder at the miracle that had happened according to the promise of God. Do you have wonder in your heart? Are you amazed by the miracle of the incarnation and the majesty of the birth of God in man, as man in a manger? See, what happens when that begins to happen in your life, it gets contagious. As you begin to live hopeful and be helpful by sharing the truth that you believe, it begins to impact all the other people's lives. But hear me, not everybody's. Not some of you sitting here. Because here's why. Some have grown so cold to God that it will require more than just the miracle of new birth and the miracle of God's uh, pressing spirit, it will require a, a miracle of enlightenment beyond human capacity. Because if you continue to ignore the great grace of our God and the reality of the revelation of God, sooner or later you become so indifferent you're turned over to your sin. Romans chapter one speaks of this. This terrifying condition says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. God in natural revelation has revealed the wonder that he is the maker. But there are so many that have refused to acknowledge that miracle their hearts, are, their hearts are cold, not only to general revelation, but to special, specific revelation given in Scripture. And there's terms that we use to describe these folks. And these terms may describe you, and I, wanna, I want you at least to understand and be self-aware of who you are. There are humanists and there are secularists. Let me explain the difference. Humanists believe there is a God, but they believe God is in a box, They do not believe that God acts in time and space and history. They believe that God wound up the world and set it loose. But there is no more help from God. There's no need to believe in the authority of Scripture. There's no need to pray. There's no need to pursue Jesus or worship Him. You've got to figure out your way. Yes, there's a God and He's good, but He's in a box and He will not interact in space and time. That's a lie. But some of you believe that. And there's a whole bunch of people in our world who believe, who say, yes, I believe in God. You gotta ask them, do you think God's in a box or do you believe that God is active in the world? If you listen to most people and if you listen to even some who pray, God is really small in their minds and he is very passive and inactive in the world. And that's why a lot of, dare I say it, us, we don't pray because we don't believe And the true God of the Bible, who works miracles by faith. We've put God in a box. We don't see his power at work. That's what humanists do. Secularists do this, they put people in a box. They say, We're in a closed system. The only thing that is real is what we can measure. It's what science tells us. It's what's what's able to be uh, seen and and held with our hands and and, and perceived with our senses. Anything beyond that is just make-believe or it's aliens. And they really believe that. And that's a lie. God is not in a box and neither are we. God has made all things and he sustains all things and he is at work in all things for his glory, including your life and mine. And some of your depression and a lot of your anger and your frustration and our sin, it comes because we put God in a box or we think that we're in a box and that God can't help us. And what we need to realize is that we've fallen into a trap. The Romans one trap and our hearts are getting hard and and the light is growing dim and we're losing the gift and we're losing the hope and we're losing the joy and we're losing the wonder of what God has done. Do you have the wonder or do you need a miracle in your life today? Let me ask you something. What miracle do you need in your life today? can't turn back time. Can't undo what's been done. So given where you are right now, what miracle do you need to have peace, forgiveness, joy, life, wonder? And would you dare, would you dare, according to the promises of God's word, ask? Can you believe? Can you have a faith that is confirmed, a faith that is biblical, a faith that is contagious because of the wonder? It's easy to sit and listen and think through theories. God has called us to live, to live in the wonder and the awe of the Almighty who has come to save. There's not a one of us that doesn't need to repent and be renewed in that. And I wanna invite you to do that as we sing of of who he is. I wanna invite you, if you wanna come get on your knees, you're welcome to, if you just wanna sit, just wanna stand and grab the hand of a friend and just pray where you are. Friends, don't take this as a theory. This is reality, engage. Let's pray, stand with me as we do.